0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Stephen Simcox and Matt Jennings here today, and it's Monday, which means Matt is with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and you can get 20% off your next order or your first order, a great week. Try Built Bar, Delicious Protein Bar, if you haven't done that before. And Matt's here, and we're talking about an unexpected win. The Frogs take down Oklahoma State 29-22, to despite multiple turnovers and getting in their own way a couple times. Great game from the defense. But we're going to start today. Um, you know, that game, the first half, played out like a lot of first halves have for TCU this season, uh, meaning they did not score. <laughs> They gave up seven points on a fumble by Zach Evans that was controversial. Um, Looks like he was probably down, but they called it a touchdown in the field and didn't overturn it after replay. And they finally got it in the end zone at the end of the half and went into the locker room 13-7. to um, If you're like me, you probably thought, well, that's cool. They're probably going to lose this game by two touchdowns because they're not going to be able to score again or only score like one more time. But that wasn't the case. They scored three touchdowns in the second half. So, Matt, my question to you is what was different on Saturday offensively? They threw the ball more. They were more effective doing so. Uh, why, why was that? What, did, what were you seeing uh, in yesterday's game?
0: Yeah, I think – We've been talking about this for weeks about how it didn't and leaned into this identity of running the ball more and wanting to play ball control, which is fine if you're going to be good at it. Um, but how the, the, the thing that was missing with that is if you're going to do that, part of what you should do as part of that is you should use that to set up play action, you should use that to set up the vertical passing game, and that just has not been connecting for them for most of this season. And they finally connected on a few of them yesterday. Max Duggan still wasn't super efficient. He still completed less than half of his passes, which is concerning, but had um, was able to get um, hit Darius Davis and Quentin Johnston downfield multiple times over the course of the game, had a couple instances where he wasn't able to hit him but where, you know, they they were open, like they, you know, they had opportunities. And so um I think that's really that to me was the difference. Like you have Quentin Johnson who kind of, you know, broke open um uh, that first touchdown drive in the in, in the second half with a big with a big catch just on a jump ball and then Darius Davis had the seventy one yarder later in the game for them to be able to kind of Put that stress on the defense vertically. I think is what changed it. Um, that connecting on that at all, making the defense respect that at all was was the big thing. And they kept doing what they have been doing recently, which is like they were really effective running the ball for the most part. And uh, particularly with Max Duggan, I don't know how in the world his what would it end up being a 42 yard touchdown run in the third quarter. I don't have and it came on. I think it was a third and short. I have no idea how in the world Oklahoma State wasn't just seeing Max Dakin play all this year how in the world they weren't anticipating him keeping the ball whether on a on a on an option play or just on a straight quarterback keeper but um yeah, it worked mm-hmm. out well for TCU that they didn't um so he's still doing what he's doing in in the running game and being super effective there and if they you know if they can do that then they have the ability to put up I mean they put up 29 points which is something that has felt like pulling teeth for them to be to to for them to hit hit that mark this season, and they did it, losing the turnover battle like by four. <laughs> they, they 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 had five turnovers, and Oklahoma State had one, and so um, they could have they left points out there on the field, which is wild. And Oklahoma State's defense is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the crazy thing.
1: Yeah, no, they are. Uh, if you told me before the game that they had five turnovers, one of those was returned for touchdown and they ran the ball okay but not as well as they had the last few weeks i would think they would have lost by 15 to 20 points you know uh but that wasn't the case davis was huge darius stepped up in place of blair Conright, who was either banged up or you know out for whatever reason they didn't specify and uh quentin johnson man he is he's fantastic and they found what they want to do with him which is throw the ball up in the air when he's a man coverage and let him have a chance to go get it. Um, It's too bad that it's apparently illegal to give him more than like five targets a game, but (laughs) he makes the most of his opportunities. Three catches for 114 yards on Saturday. And as you said, jump-started a couple of those drives. Um, And you're right. Max is a major threat running the ball. I'm surprised that teams have not caught on to the fact that, He really likes to keep it on zone reads and they've found a nice play with the like fake jet sweep that he pulls and uh, takes up the middle. Maybe it's helpful if they run so many jet sweeps in the course of the game because it does at least, you know, make people respect that aspect of the running game. So uh, all those things were encouraging. Uh, Still not super efficient, but big plays, or something they haven't had since the Baylor game? I mean, I guess they had it against Kansas. It was just, it was a couple times, and everything against KU sort of feels like a right. gift. Uh, but they were able to unlock some things, and I mean, I, I don't totally buy into Gary's narrative that they've just been playing with a hand tied behind their back because of injuries, but you did see that when they're closer to full strength. They're much different, and and one thing I want to ask you about, too, um, as much as we've dogged the offensive line through the year, they're still not great, and good might even be a stretch, but they have at least sort of stabilized that unit and have become more effective there, so that, I mean, that's a plus. That is a, uh, a good sign, and... Maybe there's some hope there with, with Jared Anderson. He, he's done a nice job shuffling things around lately.
0: Yeah. They, they've continually improved and looked better over the course of the season. They started another new starting lineup on the offensive line yesterday. Um, uh, Steve Avila, who had been playing uh, center pretty much exclusively this season, he played right tackle. He started at right tackle and, looked good um and tj Stormont, we've already talked about but he's just been a he's honestly been a godsend for this offensive line once they finally were able to get him in the rotation and get him uh, in as the starter at left tackle and so they look so so much better and even you know without a, a couple guys that they expected to have over the course of the season wes harris goes down early in the year they uh they've looked a whole lot better and and that has helped everything on the offense over the last few weeks with the exception of the West Virginia game they've just they've pass protection has been better running run blocking has been better um, they they look a whole lot better uh, so yeah Jared Anderson for all the you know for all the negativity that went his way and and, and a lot of it earned um, um, some of it from us yeah. um, early on in the season um, credit to him and, and, and to that group of players for um, getting things turned around after a really really tough start to the season uh, Two things. Um, one, do you know how many players caught passes for, for TCU yesterday?
1: Was it three? I saw this. Was it three or four? <laughs> it
0: was only three players. <laughs> Darius Davis caught six passes for 139 yards, 71 <laughs> of it on one play. Quentin Johnston caught three passes for 114 yards, um, which almost, uh, which was like almost half of what he had for the season coming into the game. I tweeted something about this on Friday, the fact that he had – Coming into Saturday, he had 14 catches for 240 yards, which just seems criminal when he's, like, far and away your best your best receiver and mm. not close. Um, and then Darwin Barlow had three catches for 12 yards, and that's it. Um, so they're still not a super balanced offense, but they, to your point, like, they picked their spots to try and take shots downfield and they got explosive plays, which, like, they're normally on the – on the wrong end of those explosive plays over the course of the season, and the fact they were able to kind of get some going their way was was good for them. Last thing, you t- <laughs> you talk about the, oh, maybe it's a good thing they said the Jet Sweeps. That's actually a really good point, because they do love to run that, like, run that motion to get the defense going one way and then just run a designed quarterback run up the middle. And it just made me think of, like, they ran, like, three of them in four plays at some point (laughs) yesterday. And I'm just picturing, like, Doug Meacham sitting on the sideline and, like, Max comes over and he's he's like, what are you doing? And, like, (laughs) Meacham just, like, takes a long drag on a cigarette. and He's like, oh, man, just wait. Just wait, man. It's going to be great. (laughs)
1: I'm setting something up. I don't want to score in the first half. I'm setting something no, up don't, later. No,
0: man, we can't, can't, can't get them, can't get them thinking that we could score all the time. We got to get lull them, lull them, into sleep a little bit. But it's gonna work. I promise, Davis.
1: Yeah, that last one to Barlow on that sequence that you're talking about. I believe that was like a third and four, and they fumbled the exchange, and Max got on it. I, I actually do think that was the play they were trying to run there, though. I, I don't know for sure, but it looked like he was trying to read. And it looks similar yeah he he was just he rode him too long and then it was a bad exchange uh and that's funny about the three wider seat or that only three people had receptions I feel like they probably watched the Kansas film, Oklahoma State, and they just double teamed Pro Wells and Carter Ware all day, so that opened up opportunities.
0: Carter for Ware, else. Car- Carter Ware did not get his random, or at least that I saw. Maybe I missed it, but like I always his like to joke that Carter Ware gets his one obligatory target every game, and he didn't get that that I saw yesterday, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is wild um i think i maybe a similar deal maybe like he scored the touchdown against Kansas and was like well we got to ease up a little bit we can't we can't show our hand and let everyone know how much of a weapon Carter Ware is
1: yeah i hope whoever plays h back next season or whenever Carter leaves gets like i hope they make that a tradition like the Carter Ware memorial one target of the game that they have to <laughs> give out to to a split back um one more thing quickly before we go to break so they had the five turnovers, and they were pretty much all fumbles. Um, that was aided by the fact that, you know, TCU's fighting for extra yards, which I love, and the refs were letting them do that and just wouldn't stop plays. I mean, guys would be stood up, and the whistle wouldn't blow, and, you know, Oklahoma State would rip the ball out. So, I mean, do you have any concern about that, or do you feel like that was just a weird confluence of events yesterday?
0: I think that was, first off, credit to, as I said, Oklahoma State's defense is good. Mm-hmm. Um, creating turnovers is not necessarily like a like a super predictable thing, but a uh, um, uh, you know, going thing. And they obviously saw something on film that they liked with trying uh, with whether TC's ball security in general or in or in specific situations when they're you know when at the pileup. Um, so credit to Jim Knowles and 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 uh, the Oklahoma State's game plan there. I think that, that was obviously very intentional. Um, I'm not overly concerned about it, just because it's not like a trend that we've mm-hmm. seen this season. If anything, yeah, I think the only part of it that that's concerning is you know you talked about it. Max Duggan had the one fumble that he you know he, on the on the botched exchange with Barlow, and then and then he fell on it, and then he had another fumble later in the game. Duggan is the is the person to me with the most concern on that. I think Kendra Miller's uh, and um, Zach Evans' uh, fumbles probably shouldn't count it. I think you could not make argue that. Um, uh, at least one of, one of the other ones maybe maybe shouldn't have because forward progress getting stopped but I think uh, Duggan just because of how much he runs the ball um, I think generally he does a pretty good job um, uh, holding on the ball in the open field it's just those exchanges that uh, beto- uh, and those mesh points that I think give you a little bit of heartburn sometimes because they do it so much and so if they uh, ever have instances where it's uh, where it doesn't where the rhythm and the, and the timing isn't exactly right that's the only thing that worries me a little bit I did tweet yesterday some people didn't like this all I'm I'm saying is that when when Curtis Looper was the was the running backs coach at TCU this is anecdotal but they I I do not perceive that they that they had this much of a problem with ball security now again it's Mm -hmm. one game it's one data point um but I remember I think it was the 2016 season where like they went the whole season I think they had one running back fumble the ball over the course of the whole season um you know I, I I am I don't know enough about the effect that Brian Applewhite has had at running backs coach uh, this season. I'm not trying to impugn his work at all. Um, but I think uh, it, it might be something to monitor going forward. Um, but I, on the whole, to actually answer your question, I don't think it's something to be overly concerned about unless you see it develop as more of a trend over a few games.
1: Matt Jennings, certified Brian Applewhite hater. Did not see that from the day. But <laughs> I'm glad, glad you put that in the world. Uh, I do miss loop though. He was just a cool guy. He just seemed like a good dude on the sidelines. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the, uh, the TCU defense in depth and the great day that they had yesterday. Before we do that though, uh, what was the drink that you grabbed when Zach Evans fumbled and Oklahoma state went up seven to nothing on, uh, on Saturday for me personally, it was Coors light and Coors light understands that you don't get a lot of time to yourself Um, And some of the most precious time you might have to yourself is getting to watch TCU or whatever your favorite team is, our favorite sporting event is on the weekend or on a weeknight. So make sure you grab a cold refreshing Coors Light. It's cold lager. It's cold brewed. It's literally the beer that's made to chill. It's the one I reach for when I want to unwind. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill and you can get it sent straight to your door. If you're not too comfortable right now getting out and about um, go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com and get Coors Light sent directly to your door. Please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Back here on Locked on Horned Frog segment two, uh, Steven Simcox and Matt Jennings is kind enough to join me on the show today. I'm not going to break it down today, but did just want to mention um, that I will talk about this on Tuesday. Uh, TCU Basketball opened conference play this afternoon against Oklahoma, the men did, and they uh, they lost to OU 82-78, to um, good basketball game, was back and forth, and again, I won't put a lot of analysis on it, I think it's overall a bad loss, OU's not a bad team, but it was a game in Fort Worth, and it was only OU's second game of the year, because they've had COVID issues, so uh, missed opportunity for the Frogs, but Austin Reeves, once again, had a fantastic game. For the Sooners, uh, the big plus, though, Mike Miles, true freshman for TCU, looks really, really good, and I think he's going to have a bright future uh, in Fort Worth for however long he's with the program, but good player, and they'll get back in action on Wednesday afternoon against Providence, but Matt's here to talk football with me, and, and we'll continue to do that. We talked about offense in the first segment. So, TCU defense, they give up 22 points on the day, but really only 15, because one of those touchdowns was a, a turnover that Oklahoma State took back to the end zone. And Matt, I mean, the the thing that you have to applaud them for is they kept getting put in bad situations because of the offense's issues turning the ball over and and still came up big. Um, and that's a, not – that Oklahoma State offense is not as explosive as they have been in the past, but they're still really good. But let's start with uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson had – Sort of a tough start to the year, and he got thrust into this number one corner role. And Tylen Wallace ended up with 92 yards. You know, 50-plus of that was on a touchdown catch. But did a fantastic job in one-on-one situations. And um, they just keep churning out good corners. I mean, it, it's, it's a trend. They got a couple guys in the league who are playing at a, a high level right now. And THT has done a nice job in uh, in this role that he wasn't expected to be playing in, in in year two
0: yeah he's looked really really good i've 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 been impressed by him. He was a guy who last season i was you know in the limited snaps that he got in sub packages and then on special teams I was excited about what his future would look like and i agree i think he um had some rough moments earlier on in the season but has has developed into a really solid Number one corner for them this season, kind of by necessity with Daniels going down, and uh, he's looked really good for the most part um, this season. He's he's around. This is this is my very um, this is this is my very very like Bill Simmonsy kind of rule, which is that I like players who are around the ball a lot, and when they're around the ball, they do good things. <laughs> which I feel like Tomlinson does that a lot. I feel like just like whenever he's in frame. On your TV, it's usually because he's making a good play. He's whether it's making a play on the ball or being in good coverage. And so, um, you know, he it's very, very difficult to kind of evaluate um, defensive back play when you're watching at home in general. Um, but he has done, I think he's grown leaps and bounds this season. Um, and uh, it's just, to your point, TCU's development of defensive backs in general and cornerbacks in particular has has been great over the last few seasons, and uh, and really for Gary Patterson's whole tenure. Um, but even when they have instances where whether it's Dan- no Daniels or Julius Lewis a few uh, a couple years back or um, you know guys going down um, and, and and young guys having to step up they're doing a good job of getting the younger guys ready to play and they'll you know get thrown into the fire and you know take some lumps early but usually they do a pretty good job of getting them ready to go obviously Oklahoma State. Was hurt by the fact that Tylen Wallace uh, got banged up in that game Mm -hmm. and wasn't available for the whole time. So we have to account for that. Um, But I do think both uh, Hodges Tomlinson and um, Hidari Caesar, sorry, CJ Caesar, um, both uh, made some really nice plays uh, yesterday, uh, excuse me, on Saturday. You guys are listening to this on Monday. And, um, you know, but when you throw. You know, the safety group that they have with New Bradford, and Tyrone Merrick, and our Darius Washington out there as well. Um, it makes a really dangerous um, back five um, for, the, uh, for the opposing offense to have to deal with. Merrick comes up with a huge pick in the end zone um, to kind of seal the game. Um, I, this is a really, really good group for all the, you know, for all the problems with the pass rush and for some injuries and for maybe a couple of players not playing up to the expectations, maybe that we had um, for them. I think this has been a really solid year. Once again, for the Garrett Patterson defense, what a shock.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're doing the thing that they've done lately, which is, okay, there's some concerns early in the season, but by week seven and beyond, uh, they become a pretty dominant defense. And they really won that game yesterday on the strength of their defense. So, question for you. I'm going to give you two young guys, and you tell me which one you're more excited about. D Winters, or Kyrie Coleman on the outside rushing the passer.
0: Oh man, that's a really hard choice because actually <laughs> I love both of them. Um, oh man, D Winters is is, is is I think is the better player right now. I mean he's just all over the field. Um, he is, you know his explosiveness right now and his, and his athleticism, it really helps him make big plays for them on a really consistent basis. Um, like I've said before, he plays with an attitude that I love. Um, so I think I lean a little bit towards him, but Carter Coleman has had a really nice freshman year um they and, and and it's been so needed like they've got other players that they can put out there at linebacker they desperately needed somebody they didn't have anybody at least certainly early on in the year stepping up at defensive end and for him to step up and become a starter and become a solid starter the way he has um has been huge for this past rush there were a couple instances even on the tylen wallace touchdown yesterday um Carter Coleman was inches away from a Spencer Sanders sack if another uh, he he got off the first block and, and 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 one of the other linemen came off his block and, and got just enough of him at the last moment to let Sanders get the ball off um, uh, if, if not he, he will he's he been able to bring Sanders. he's affecting the quarterback on a consistent basis and it's and it's really really been a, a, a it's been such a huge help for this defense because that was such a huge weakness for them early in the season
1: and and shout out to a guy. I mean, <laughs> O'Shawn Mathis, for whatever reason, is like the one player that Gary has ever hyped up. You know, <laughs> before he stepped on the field, right. And that's sort of been his blessing and curse. And that the expectations uh, for him are are so high. He's been a lot better this season, I think. And you know, some of that's he, he's padded some of that against teams that are not very good but yesterday on that fourth down he comes around and hits Sanders and essentially ends that play what have you thought of his development um this season uh, you know he's he's still not necessarily the game wrecker we were promised but he he is a, a very effective player
0: yeah he's he's elevated himself from personally i think like Early on in the season, if you had asked me where he, like, you know, how you would evaluate him, I would have said, like, probably probably disappointment based on just kind of what, to your point, what Gary kind of sold him as and, and what he needed to be because he was the guy. He was the number one returning defensive end and um, has come on really strong the last few weeks, um, had the three sacks against Texas Tech, just been doing a better job, at least kind of, again, affecting the passer a little bit and making plays in, big, in, in some big moments. Um I'm not sure he's ever gonna be the I'd love for an improvement wrong. I'm I'm not sure he's ever gonna be like a true like a team's top pass rusher. Um, but he is he's he's shown significant improvement over the course of the season that has again shored up an area where that was the biggest weakness for the team on that side of the ball um and so I I think you feel pretty comfortable with him and Kari Coleman as your two starting defensive ends heading into the next year um much better than you did coming into this year when you were like I don't even know you know Oshama hasn't delivered on any of the potential that we thought he had so far and you don't know who the next guy you don't know who the guy who's on the other side is um so to go from that to feeling pretty good about both of them Feeling so then one of them's a pretty solid star with Mathis and one of them has a really high ceiling with Coleman uh, that's a really nice pairing to have heading into 2021.
1: In our final segment we'll discuss that was a big one yesterday and I'll, I'll tell you how big of a win it was and how it really flips some things as far as expectations and where they might finish in the standings on its head a little bit and we'll see what that means for this coaching staff but before we do that I want to tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is uh, the most delicious protein bar on the market. They have some new flavors, six new flavors, like cookies and cream, lemon all and cheesecake. Um, I'm a huge fan of the cookies and cream flavor. And they also have some original just standard flavors like German chocolate peanut butter. Uh, the peanut butter one's really good as well. A couple of things I love about Bilt Bar. One is that they're filling. So you can eat it and, you know, it's a good meal substitute. It's a good snack to get you through the day. And also it's healthy. It's good for you. 180 calories, only five grams of sugar. Um, it, it's good fuel for your body. It's going to fill you up, sustain you. And you know, it, it's not a calorie killer. It's not going to take up a huge bulk of what you should be eating throughout the day. And if you go to BuiltBar.com, I told you about this at the start of the show, but I want you to keep in mind, you can get 20% off your next order or your first order if you've never tried it before. And you say, I don't want to really Get into this, hey, it's 20% off if you use the promo code Locked On. So go to BuiltBar.com today, use that promo code Locked On, and get 20% off your order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Back on Locked On Horn Frogs, final segment. Uh, Steven Simcox and Matt Jennings is kind enough to join me today. Want to uh, let you know um, later this week, I believe it's going to be on Thursday or Friday, I'll have a fun segment. I'm going to get my buddy Chris Gross on with me. And me and Chris, we used to do a show together on KTCU, and we're gonna rank the TCU coaches' Twitter accounts. So <laughs> it it should be a funny segment. We'll uh, power rank the TCU coaches' Twitter accounts, and we'll do that on uh, on Thursday. But Matt's here with me, Matt. Uh, they're now five and four. They play La Tech this week. Decent chance they end up at six and four and then you have a a potential bowl game after that. Um, I think they're probably going to finish fifth in the Big 12 just based on how this has all gone, um, which is better than we thought. So with all that being said, do you think we could be looking at a situation where we don't have a lot of change on the coaching staff because Gary can kind of sell that they did better than uh than they thought they would when the season started
0: yes i mean like let's let's be entirely fair right heading into the season i said um i said on uh graham and galliard and and parker fleming's podcasts well only because yours wasn't started yet mm. um on, i said on the Purple Theory podcast that i thought five and four would be in, in conference would be um evidence of Improvement like enough improvement that you felt good about, right? And here they are sitting five and four in the Big 12 here at the end of the season. Just the way they got here looked really, really weird. Um, so they definitely and and they did all that in the midst of um some injuries. And again, they haven't said anything publicly yet, but I'm I'm not going to rehash this. But like to me, like Max Duggan just does not look right health wise. We saw him getting his wrist taped on saturday and and they addressed it on the broadcast which is the first time we've heard anything about anything with his wrist so keep an eye on that i guess but so all that to say with the circumstances of COVID 19 and with uh, you know injuries and and um I, I think if you would have said all of that before the season and say and they end up at five and four and they beat texas and they beat baylor and they beat oklahoma state I think you feel pretty good about it. I think just like the way they lost the games that they did lose, getting just shellacked by Oklahoma and West Virginia, and losing games that they should have won against Kansas State and Iowa State makes it feel worse. Um, all that to say, all that to say, like the offense is bad, um, <laughs> um, but I, I I think you make a good point that you can put you can make you can make all those caveats and, and you know. Point to all those, you know, extenuating circumstances and make a case. I think Gary will at least make a case um, for keeping the offensive staff the way it is, uh, at least for the next year. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how it's going to go. I, I believe Sonny Cummings in the last year of his contract. I don't know if they extend him for one more year, if they let him walk. I don't know what happens there, um, but I don't foresee wholesale changes on the offensive staff. Um, even though I think it's probably needed um i think they might write it out for one at least for one more year and kind of see what happens um based on the fact that like oh like if we were able to put these results together and our quarterback wasn't healthy or um, we were dealing with injuries and and and, and personnel problems at offensive line on, and at receiver um i can see you making that argument i'm not necessarily sure that i agree with it but it, it, it it's not an argument without any merit for sure
1: yeah, it's going to be intriguing um, because you laid it out really well there. I feel like before the season, I would have said 5-4 and four is pretty good too. Now, you know, you had an embarrassing loss against West Virginia, and you had, I think, what looks like a pretty inexcusable loss um, in hindsight against K-State. But overall, uh, this team has has done okay, and they've made it work with some extenuating certain circumstances and some things, um, that are tough, uh, through the face of adversity, they've, they've made things happen. So I, I do believe you have to give them credit for that. And I, I could definitely see Gary saying, Hey, we did what we could, we got this done and, you know, we don't really need to make a lot of changes. So Matt, I appreciate you being on with me, man. Thank you so much for making some time. Uh, this has been Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Stephen Simcox and Matt Jennings here with you. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.